You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Well, folks, it is the second week of the new year, and I just can't get over how much positivity I feel around this new season and this new decade. Uh, yes, there is still a lot of darkness going on in the earth, of course, but I feel like there is a time now that is opening up that heaven has been actually looking forward to and anticipating. And you know what? I am so excited to be positioned where God has positioned us here at Bride Ministries uh, because I realize that, well, we are part of what God is opening up. We, you know, we are standing here choosing to position ourselves and say, Lord, we're ready for whatever you want to pour out into the earth. Solution sets, strategies, paradigms, increase, and, and we are so grateful for all of you that are taking the journey with us. I want to just let you all know, and um, I've made this comment, at least in our church, you know, last year we had a record-breaking year in, in so far as giving is concerned here at Bride Ministries, and, and we're just so grateful. Why? Because, well, we are offering an ever-expanding platform of ministries going out. We have prayer teams that meet and pray for your needs on a, a, multiple times a week. We have small groups that are meeting through our church, Bride Ministries Church. We have an institute that we have put together and made available. We are training DID coaches, and uh, we're going to be doing that all year long. We are putting out the Bride Ministries Church, this podcast, we are working to solve solutions for survivors and create opportunities for strategic assistance. This year, we are going to be continuing to save for the purchase of land so that we can build transitional housing for survivors, uh, people escaping cult situations, and traffic victims. That, that is our agenda. It's, it's, it's on the docket. And once we have the land and once we have the money and you know uh, a program to put in place, we're going to execute. We're going to push, <laughs> go, and, and, and we're going to fly. And you know what? All of this is being made possible by those of you that continue to support us financially. Keep in mind, Bride Ministries is a 508C1A church. We are no longer a 501 C3 ministry. Well, what does that mean? That means that we're a free church and we are not bound by limitations on freedom of speech. And so I know that for some of you, uh, that means a lot. And so anyway, just know who you're giving to. We are here to serve the Lord and build the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to let you all know, we have a new website up, bridemovement.com, same place. Um, we launched this past weekend. Uh, there were a few bugs, <laughs> and we're working them out, you know. And uh, we also launched our new live stream for the Bride Ministries Church this past weekend. And <laughs> for those of you that were there, yeah, there were a few bugs. We are correcting all of those things. That, you know, there are certain things that you just don't know are going to break and not going to work until you run a live service and you test the tech. <laughs> so the te technology blah, 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 got tested, and uh, some of it passed and some of it failed. <laughs> so, uh, you know, going into the future, we're going to be making corrections and uh, look forward to a really, really 
uh, cool and integrated approach to Bride Ministries Church where you can stream from the app, from the website, from YouTube, from live.bridemovement.com. Um, we're just really excited to be able to expand this yet again. Now, uh, I want to make sure that you all get the Bride Ministries app because it's on the Apple Store. It's also on Google Play. You just search Bride Ministries app and you can download it for free. What's the bonus for getting the app? You get all of our sermons that are recent for free. There's no need to uh, purchase a sermon after you, if, 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 we'll say if, <laughs> if you missed the service. You could just, you know, listen right there. Um, of course, some of the older series, because we have a limit on how many audios we can upload to the app, older series will be purchased in sets from our website. But newer stuff, you can go back and listen to it as many times as you want from the app. So get the app. It also will tell you whenever a new podcast posts. We have our prayers on the app. And uh, we also have giving on the app uh, for those of you that enjoy supporting us. Now, there's a whole bunch of other stuff on the app, a, a free Bible, um, other things that are important to the faith, and a calendar of events. So be sure to check that out. There's a few things coming up you should know about. Uh, we are going to be doing a Bride Ministries Advance in May, and that is an all-inclusive event. That means you come to our website, you purchase your spot, and you get all the food, all the teaching, all the ministry, all the fellowship, and the room. For that price, it's everything. And uh, we are going to be doing it at a place called Tanglewood Resorts. And so uh, you do not want to miss it. It is a nice place. I mean, you can have horseback riding. Now, the horseback riding isn't included, okay? But um, you could do it if you wanted. They, they offer a lot of cool things over there. So uh, Bride Ministries Advance coming up in May. Uh, we, we, we would love to have you there. Also, if you haven't gotten the book, Advanced Prayers that Shake Heaven and Earth. Um, please do. If you have it and it's made an impact and you're like, whoa, man, these prayers are really the real deal, right? Um, leave a review. Uh, that's going to help other people find what they need. And lastly, I'm going to be in Australia starting mid-February. I'm going to be there for three weeks. We're going to be in Brisbane. We're going to be in Adelaide. And... Um, we're also going to be making a pit stop in Bendigo. And so uh, while I don't have my full itinerary up on the website, I do have the Brisbane Conference up on the website. And uh, you can go to bridemovement.com and get the details there. Just go to the um, details of this program and you can find the link where you can go and register for that conference in Brisbane if you happen to be somewhere in the Australia um, continent. <laughs> uh, we, we'd love to have you. And there's going to be a number of other powerful men and women of God sharing at the conference in Brisbane. And so don't miss that. And lastly, uh, my wife is going to be teaching a course on kingdom business, something that you really, if you have been wanting to get into entrepreneurship, start your own business, you've had questions, uh, you need some coaching here. Uh, that That is available through the ministry website, bridemovement.com. Go to the church page and you'll you'll find it there under events. And I I want to uh, encourage those of you that have been looking, you know, for some growth in that area to register. It is a paid course, but uh, Christian brings a lot to the table. I, I actually know what she's going to be covering in that class because I reviewed the manual. It's powerful, powerful stuff. 
And uh, for future stuff that she puts together for empowering business, and kingdom, and wealth acquisition, and so forth, uh, you will have to have this foundation under you. At least that's the way she plans to do it. So I want to invite you to be part of that adventure. She's going to be beginning that course on January 19th, and it'll be happening on Sundays at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. So for those of you that are wondering, well, how can I do this if I'm nowhere near Dallas where you guys are? Uh, this is going to be executed online like just about everything else we do. And so it will be available all around the world. Anyone who wants to join can do it. So with that said, we're going to get right to the program. And don't go anywhere. You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Folks, welcome to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall, and guess what? We are going to be having the final chapter of a series that has been going on for some time now. It is Storytime with KC. By the final chapter, this is the 12th installment of her series. And the thing is, KC was a client of mine and took very detailed notes on her sessions. As as a matter of fact, uh, only a select few of those that I have worked with have gone through the burdensome task of taking such detailed notes. And And in KC's case, they form a play-by-play, which allows her to bring to light um, (laughs) in vivid color what was occurring in the spirit realm doing a lot of the work that we did together. And so in this 12th installment, we're going to be concluding some of her notes. And and so KC, welcome back to Discovering Truth with Anne Duvall. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you for your welcome once again, and I'm excited to be here today. Well, I'm excited to have you. As uh, those that have been following this series know, uh, you come very prepared. (laughs) And I never know if I'm actually interviewing you or if I'm getting interviewed around the subjects that you're talking about. I I don't know. But hey, you know, here we are. So why don't we just jump in? Okay. Well, I have to say, Daniel, it's been fun telling my story about how you worked with our Lord Jesus Christ, who is King. He's our Lord and our Savior. And boy, we know that Jesus is our everything, period. It's just been so exciting just to experience this myself with you. And I have to thank you for that. And I have learned so much from you. From I've learned how to work with the vast armies of heaven while using heaven's unlimited resources to help me to become free from the bondage of Satan and the kingdom of darkness. 
my spirit woman has been activated. Her seven fractals are all activated and doing their missions. My star, my mountain, and my tree and all are all active now. And then you introduce me to my guardian angel, who looks just like me, by the way, and his name is Charles. And there's just so much more that you have actually done to help me to get to the place where I am today. And I just thank you for that, Daniel. Well, you're welcome. You are welcome, Casey. And so um, I think with uh, this uh, closing, uh, we're going to be beginning with a dream that you had uh, that took place in a big white Victorian house. Absolutely. This dream, in this particular dream, I was in a big white Victorian house and it was used for programming, programming people that is. Uh, this was on a tropical island somewhere in Hawaii. So I was in what seemed to be a very large living room in that house where elaborate dinner celebrations were held for diplomatic people all over the world. And then I turned around and I saw a high roll of stairs at the end of this very large dining room. So I decided to walk over or walk towards the stairs and just begin to climb up them. I wanted to see what was upstairs. So when I reached the top of the, uh, the stairs, it was a hallway, of course. And so I proceeded to walk through the hallway and I entered into a bedroom. It seemed like a bedroom to me. And it was on the right side of the hallway and it was emptied of most of the furniture. So I saw two young girls in the room and they were dressed in white gowns with their programmers. And the two girls were talking with each other or to each other, but it was a very low voice, so I couldn't understand or hear what they were saying. They seemed to be in a state of stupor and they were not happy. And the programmers seemed to be busy doing other assigned tasks that they received from the masters. They wore white full length lab coats. They looked more like scientists. They seemed to be empty, there seemed to be empty uh, test tubes on small tables in the room. Now, I don't know what they were used for, but it was interesting that that came to my, to my attention about the, the small test tubes in the room. So I just wanted to say uh, or emphasize that programmers have masters over them. Sometimes we think that programmers have no one and to report to and and they can just get away with things but actually programmers have masters over them and 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 they're abused as well and their masters are, are abused and that this chain or this rank actually goes all the way to uh satan where the masters the programs are are, are programmed by the masters their masters are programmed and tormented by their masters, and it just goes all the way to the direct leadership and control of Satan. So when we hear of stories like KC, Storytime with KC, or in some of the uh, other stories that we hear, 
we often sometimes, I know I have, I've often said, how in the world could they get away with all of that? But they actually are, are accountable to Lucifer in the end. And Lucifer, of course, is accountable to the Most High God. He's not getting away with nothing at the very end, which he hasn't. So, Dan, do you want to say something about the hierarchy of that? Well, it's interesting when, I mean, of course, you are opening up talking about what you're looking at in a dream here. But, I mean, in real life, even in some of the reports that we've had, people have been exposed to, in certain circumstances, those that their programmers report to. So, I mean, sometimes programmers are scientists that are getting paid by a corporation. I mean, they're actually a defense contractor and there are scientists working. They have someone to report to in that world. Uh, I've even heard stories in some cases where programmers were hurt or abused. Often this is a play, but it's, you know, to get the cooperation of the victim or the person that they are programming so that the person that they are programming is more compliant because they feel responsible for the abuse or pain their programmer is suffering. This is actually a play to gain confidence and trust. Programmers uh, will be most effective if they have a level of connection with their subject that they are trying to program. It's not just only cold and calculated. They're, they're, they often work to get a semblance of relationship. So uh, th- this definitely plays into the role. I mean, programmers, they're not at the top of the food chain unless that programmer happens to be uh, Satan. And there are people that have been programmed by Satan himself. I, I, I've met a couple of them. Um, that often isn't ongoing. It's an event or two or um, a hybrid people have been programmed by some of these things and uh but there are a lot of humans that have been trained to do this job so it is a it is it is a hierarchical world for sure yes yes indeed so now this room that i was in was painted white however the white paint was old and it was peeling off the walls Now, some of the wall plaster had fallen off and I could see wood planks and the electrical wiring behind the plaster in some of the places. So then I left the room and I decided to go back downstairs to leave the house. So I exited the house through a door on the right side to go outside. And as I looked around, I saw that the house was built on an island. And I saw visitors come to the island by large cruise ships and medium and small boats. I was under what seemed to be an entranceway made of brick where cars would drive up to the house from elaborate and ultra wealthy communities in the city of that island. I also saw black helicopters that flew towards the island and hoovered over the waters from a short distance from the house and they would drop off men and women who were scientists and programmers. Now, 
if we just pause right here, if you could just see these black helicopters, they're just flying all around the, the, the island and the house. And finally, they will choose a place. They would lower these people, these men and women, on a rope. Seemed like a rope to me down to a boat. Some chose to, to get into a boat to be carried to the islands. And then, uh, and then others would also be in the boats, but they would choose not to go to the decks, uh, which were on the edge of the island. They would just jump out of the boats uh, into the shallow sanded waters, and then they would run onto the island. It, it was a sight to see that. And they were in their white coats. They had their, their suitcases. They had all kinds of things, their tools and everything with them. So I looked to my right and I saw across from the house what seemed to be a sidewalk with shops, lots of shops. And I, it looked like a modern day type shopping village. Actually, the house was like a hotel that had an outer upper level that extended over to the shops on the other side of the street. Some guests arrived by cars from other places on the island to this village to go shopping and to eat there. So I decided to cross over the street and I stepped onto the sidewalk just to take a closer look at these shops. Some sold clothes and others were eating places. So I stopped at a shop and I saw what seemed to be gourmet candies in the window display. And I knew somehow, I knew instinctively that this candy was made from human flesh and it looked like chocolate gourmet candy. So I proceeded to walk forward and I came to the next little shop that sold what seemed to me to be fast food. And I saw two men sitting at a tall round table on stew bars. I saw four ladies sitting at a small square table next to the two men. And they were all chatting and talking with each other and drinking some sort of fruit tropical drink. Well, that's what it seemed like to me. Well, they seemed to be happy, but they really were not. These people on my right side so these people were actually sitting, uh, sitting on the right side of me. And of course, the stores were on my left side, just to give you a, um, a better description of how this scene was. So I looked at the people again on my right side, and then out of nowhere, a figure of a man appeared about 10 feet behind the two men who were sitting on the bar stools and he immediately caught my attention. I turned around and I walked over to face the man who was staring at me. This man was standing up with his back leaning on a brick wall. He was a warlord who came to challenge me in a fight. That's right, he came to challenge me in a fight. So I approached him to fight and he lifted up his right hand to form the 666 sign. And then he paused and looked at me in my eyes to see what I would do. He thought that he was going to make me become very fearful by seeing that sign. So I just looked at him and then I looked at his right hand. 
And then I charged him and I grabbed his shoulders with my hand to wrestle with to wrestle in a fight as he attempted to put his right hand that showed the 666 sign into my lower abdomen. So as I proceeded to grab him, I cried out and said, oh God, help me now. And then after that, we both disappeared to a dimension that and into another realm. And then that was that for a split of a second. So I don't know what happened, but in a flash of a second, I reappeared back at the same scene of the shops where the ladies were sitting at the table and the two men were sitting on the bar stools. I was in that very same spot when I arrived at that shop and the warlord, thank goodness, was not there. He was gone. The two men and the ladies were silent. All of that chatter and gaiety left. They just stared at me and they just wanted to see if I was okay. So I looked at them and I didn't say anything because I was focusing on checking myself internally just to make sure that I was okay. So I said to myself, I said, Casey, are you all right? This is what I was saying, Casey, are you all right? Do you know where you are? And of course I answered yes. And then I asked myself, are you thinking clearly? And my answer is yes. And then I asked myself, do you know where you are? And my answer was yes. And then I started to do internal and systems checks with my brain to make sure it's functioning okay with my eyes. Okay, I can see okay with my ears. Okay, I can hear my lungs. And it went on and on and on until I was satisfied of that. I was okay and I realized that. So then I looked back at the four women and the two men who were still staring at me. They, they were almost lifeless. They almost seemed to be like statues looking at me. So then I heard one of the women say, I hope she's okay. And then one of the men said to the rest of the people, well, she's just doing this for the betterment of the people. And he was trying to be so sympathetic as he possibly could. And then that dream ended. So as usual, Daniel always starts with prayer. So I told Daniel that I heard the word Pluton, P-L-U-T-O-N, and then I was tied to it. So Daniel told me that it was the Greek name for Hades. Pluton had a covenant with death and had my ancestors there to keep me and them in bondage. Now let's pause to see more clearly what was going on here by looking at Isaiah 28, 15 through 19. And I usually read from the Amplified Bible. So it says, because you have said you have made a covenant with death and with Sheol, the place of the death, the dead, we have an agreement. When the overflowing skirt passes through it, it won't come to us for we have made lies our refuge and in falsehood, we take shelter. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am laying in Zion for a fountain, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He who believes, trusts in, relies on, and stick to that stone 
will not be ashamed or give way or hasten away in sudden panic. I will make justice the measuring line. This is God saying this. I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plummet. And hell will sweep away the refuge of lies and waters will overcome the hidden place, the shelter. And your covenant with death shall be annulled and your agreement with Sheol shall not stand. When the overwhelming scourge passes through, then you will be trodden down by it. As often as it passes through, the enemy's scourge will take you. For morning by morning, it will pass through by day and by night. And it will be utter terror merely to hear and understand the report and the message of it. But only hard treatment and dispersion will make you understand that God's instruction is true. Instantly, Daniel and I were in Hades. I can hear some of you say, what? How can that be? How can you go to Hades? So I just like to pause to encourage you to become a student of Bride Ministries International Institute. This is a free plug. Daniel didn't tell me to do this, but as you know by now, I will always send you back to Bride Ministries International Institute. And the reason is because Daniel's schedule is so busy that he, he just he's constantly getting a flood of people wanting to help him. And so Daniel's one person, but Daniel has created, taken the time to create the Institute, and the Institute is also ordained by God, and it was called into, into this earth even before Father God sent Daniel here into the earth. So it's, it's ordained, and it can help you. So now, um, I just wanted to say that his videos, you should see his video formats. He, it's, it's like a real Institute. He has the video there, so you actually online, in class, you look at his video, he gives you reading materials, and then he'll give you a quiz at the end. And you must pass the quiz, by the way. <laughs> but anyway. It's <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thank you for that. Yes, uh, folks, we do have an institute, and, and you know, I, 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 I will say this. One of the things that uh, is covered in there uh, includes advanced deliverance and how we get to the level of the stuff that Casey would talk about in a program like this. Because it, we've come a long way from working with two weapons, you know, the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus. Like we have really learned that there's more to the story and um, in that, we've also learned that getting people free is a little bit more complicated than we once thought. And one of th those aspects have to do with what we call regions of captivity. As a matter of fact, you know, the Bible says in Psalm 88 that the writer, according to verse 6, had been laid in the lowest pit in darkness and in the deeps. And... Uh, when, when you talk about the deeps, he's actually talking about the abyss, the lowest pit, the darkness, the deeps. This is a realm associated with death and, and the 
um, other side of the veil, so to speak. And the question is, how does the writer of Psalm 88 find himself in this kind of a region? The answer is, he, he is there in the spirit realm. And what we find is that people can be tethered and in bondage to all kinds of realms um, as fragments of their soul are held there. This, this, this gets into other conversations on the cosmic soul trade, and that, that connects into Revelation, um, uh, chapters 17 and 18, talking about Babylon. And in there, it talks about how Babylon trades in the bodies and souls of men. In the book of Ezekiel, it talks about witches who hunt men's souls to make them fly. Why would the witches be hunting men's souls to make them fly? Well, the answer is because they're putting souls on a soul trade. They are actually trying to get more power in the spirit world by hunting men's souls and trading them. And uh, if you want to talk about the secret space program and all of this stuff, well, they're trading in men's souls. And that gets into a whole conversation on why so many people in nations that have made covenants with these beings are being abducted in those nations and seem to have no control over their own harassment. Well, it all comes back to you know some of this, these principles that are described in the Bible and the idea of regions of captivity or that a person could be in captivity to a region like Hades is very scriptural and very real. And so, Casey, why don't you continue? Okay, yes, so now, then Daniel called for a court to be set, and he called for hidden documents, covenants, agreements, oaths, and vows to come together to be pulled up, and he grouped them all together, and he called them the group. So Daniel called the clones, the holograms, the twins, copies, the duplicated uh, copies, the derivatives, the parents, spouses, the ancestors, assign who that assign legal rights to those dark agents of hell to persecute both my husband and me. Daniel included my husband this time because we are one flesh. Daniel called the human spirits with hair, blood, DNA, voodoo dolls, internal altars to be present before the court and to be burned with the fire of God. Then, while we were in Hades, I noticed that there were three levels in what seemed to be a huge stainless steel-like building. It had hundreds of cells that looked like cages lined up on each side of the walls of the building, and I saw hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of soldiers that were locked up in those cells. They were soldiers and they wanted to be freed and released from Hades. These were soldiers from all over the world who fought in wars as far back as the 1900s. These soldiers were human spirits who served in the military of their countries. Then Daniel prayed for the soldiers who were locked up in the cages. Charles, my guardian angel and protector, saw the soldiers in the cages as well. Now, if this is your first time listening to Storytime with KC, I would like to encourage you, if you want to know more about Charles, 
then I would like to encourage you to listen to parts one and two of Storytime with KC. So the cages were lined up on both sides of the wall, as I mentioned earlier, and it seemed like then it had no end in sight to them. It seemed like it just went into eternity, although we were already in eternity. But it just, if there was no sight, there was no end to, to seeing these cages. So I mentioned to Daniel that Charles was concerned about the human spirits who were imprisoned in them. Then Daniel prayed Isaiah 61.1, which says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed and qualified me to preach the gospel of good tidings to the meek, the poor, and afflicted. He has sent me to bind up and heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty the physical and, to the physical and spiritual captives, and the opening of prison doors and of the eyes of those that are blind. At that moment, when Daniel prayed Isaiah 61.1, I saw the prison doors being opened and some of the soldiers were released from the cages. Then the soldiers that were set free started to go to other cages to open the doors to let the other soldiers out of the cages. All of the free soldiers left Hades. The good news though is that some of those soldiers accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior before they left. The captain soldier human spirit that was in charge of overseeing the cage soldiers fled to another realm. He just got, pet he was absolutely terrified and he left. He just disappeared. Then I looked up and I saw a massive star fleet of satanic reinforcements. They look like flying craft on the inside of a building. Now, I know you're saying now, now how can flying craft fly on the inside of a building? So, Daniel, would you like to explain how there's no boundaries? <laughs> I think people are probably asking a lot more questions than that. <laughs> so, so, okay. Um, how, how do you theologically justify what Casey is telling us, Dan Duvall? Um, you know, guys, here's the truth. Uh, in the work that we do, we run into a lot of things that stretch, stretch us, even while it's happening, you know, because if I'm just praying and I'm just speaking the word of the Lord and and, 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 and Casey is seeing all this stuff happen. It, it, it's not even like sometimes I'm intentionally creating th this stuff. It just, it, it happens and then she sees it and, and then she tells me and I'm like, really? <laughs> so the, the, the fact of the matter though is that, and I do want to say this, some people have had similar experiences where either they were taken to a region of Hades by Jesus or something like that. And they saw... Uh, people being released that were being held there um, unjustly. And they have used this to point to a theology called universalism, that eventually everyone gets saved, even Satan and all the fallen angels. And it leads to a theory that suggests that we should actually stop looking at our persecution from demons and fallen angels as something bad and start trying to love on them and pray for their salvation. 
it's called universalism and it makes me want to puke and vomit. And I absolutely cannot tolerate that uh, personally. Now this is, <laughs> this is me speaking. Uh, I find that that is absolutely antithetical and by no means does a uh, venture into a realm of like, like Hades with Jesus and, and the execution of liberating those that are held unjustly prove that I would call it a heresy. Um, we know where Satan and his fallen angels wind up along with Antichrist and those not found in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's called the Lake of Fire. So we just have to finish reading the book. Now, what, what's happening when Casey is describing these things? Well, honestly, when we get into the subject of soul fragmentation, everything actually gets a lot stranger because you may be in your body believing in Jesus and saved. Uh, and, and you may have gotten saved when you turned 25, you know, but you may have had fragmentation occur to your soul when you were five years old and getting abused, right? And those fragments may have been captured in nightmares or by the cult themselves or whatever, long before you ever got saved. Now, those fragments of your soul are held in separate places from your physical body. They're, they're traded, they're used, they're manipulated and so forth. And when you die, you know, the question often gets answered, well, does all of your soul, even the fragments all go to heaven at that time? Well, the answer is no. That's one of the reasons why Matthew 24 suggests that when Jesus comes back, the angels will go from one end of heaven to the other gathering what why does god need angels to go from one end of heaven to the other in order to gather and collect if everything that he's addressing is sitting right there on the surface of planet earth answer because it's not sitting there right on the surface of planet earth there is a reckoning and so we find fragments of people's souls all over the multiverse and often they are there being held unjustly and so we are always releasing prison doors and prisoners and, and, and finding that uh, soul parts are getting relocated uh, where they belong and not where they're being held. And uh, this points to more of that activity. Now, Casey, why don't you go ahead and continue? Uh, there's one more question you brought. How can <laughs> craft be flying around on the inside of a building? Um, yeah, well, <laughs> you know, the 3D spatial dimension is not how the spirit world works at large. I, I, <laughs> it, it, the rules all change once you exit the third dimension. We'll just put it that way. Go ahead, Casey. Yes, indeed. So now the spacecrafts were black and they looked like black vultures. Inside of the spacecraft were hundreds of human spirits chained in their seats as they were sitting side by side of each other and they were lined against the wall of the craft. Their backs were facing the wall of the craft. The human spirits were being trafficked from one celestial realm to another to be programmed or to be tortured or to be given different assignments. Then I saw God's war angels fly towards the crafts head on, if you can imagine that. They just appeared out of nowhere. They were covered with 
battle gear made of light and their wings were extended out like airplane wings. As God's war angels accelerated to what seemed to be at a set steady pace towards the black vulture looking spacecrafts, they reached them at a very short distance, although there's really no distance in the realms that we're in, before impacting them. As God's war angels started to close in on the spacecraft, they began to increase their speed and they started to go faster and faster as if they were running to the battle. Their wings retracted back and folded closer to, to the sides of their bodies. Then I saw that their wings turned into what seemed to be powerful airplane jet engines that propelled God's war angels even faster towards the black spacecrafts. Then the angels hit the black spacecrafts head on and they split and divided the spacecraft in part. There was a massive of what seemed to be something like an atomic explosion with bright yellow and bright burning light fireballs just going all over the place as the spacecrafts were hit by God's war angels. And when the black spacecrafts exploded, it was as if it split apart right down the center of the fuselage and the human spirits were set free from the chains that bound them to the seats and they flew out of the plane and I saw them flying out of the building. So now the coaching session ended there and that was it. Now I, 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 I can almost hear you all say, mm -hmm, soldiers, super soldiers, human spirits flying around, hell captive, are they real? And people flying around and I say, yes, and Daniel kind of highlighted that before we started into this topic. But um, Daniel, did you want to have anything else to say about this? Nope. Why don't you go ahead and continue, Casey? Okay. All right. So now my last story, this is my, my last, very last story for this episode. This is actually not going to start with the usual dream. But it's going to start with a revelation that came from my guardian angel, Charles. So Daniel has an exciting teaching. Here's another plug-in, by the way. Uh, Daniel does have an exciting teaching on stars. And he goes on to teach that you have a star. That's right. That's right. You have a star. Well, let's take it just one step further. At least once a year when seems like the whole world is celebrating Christmas, we all hear about the story that the wise men in the East went to see Jesus and they were led to him by Jesus's star. So Jesus has a star and so do we. And if you like, I encourage you to read Matthew chapter two, verses one and two. And it says, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, the Magi who were the wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? 
for we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. So Daniel, did you want to say anything about our stars? So it was a very interesting experience for me. Um, and this happened a while back as I was doing what I call Sup With Jesus. Now, those of you that know me have heard me mention this many times. For those of you that don't um, know what this means, I typically take a few hours on Sunday mornings and afternoons um, just to spend with Jesus. Um, actually, you know, the heavens, but that's the time where I go into prayer without an agenda. Usually in the morning, I'm covering my day, I'm worshiping God, I'm getting fueled up and so forth. Uh, throughout the day, I'm often working with people in prayer ministry. I'm tackling different subjects and specific needs. But when it comes to that time on Sundays, I reserve that just to receive. And, and, and really, I don't do much praying at all. I, I, I will worship for a little while, and then I will sit back and, and journal. I will scribe heaven, and I will talk with Jesus. I'll talk with the Father. Sometimes I'm talking with angels. I'm talking with my own human spirit. And, and, and it gets very interesting. So there was one day where, you know, God is just talking to me and he's like, well, I'm going to show you something new. Now we're going to open up this new thing. And I'm like, huh, what, what's that? And he just started talking to me about the star. And next thing I know, I am getting introduced to my star in the heavens. And he's telling me about it and he has me do some ministry to it. And then I began to learn. Well, later on, I began to test this out with several other people and you know, trying to get their human spirits up and then introducing them to their stars in 100% of cases. This was a profound experience. And, 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 and I learned that, yes, we all, in fact, do have stars. And, and we'll be talking more about that. Uh, but the, this became a series at the Bride Ministries Church, which is still available. You just go to our website, bridemovement.com, and, and pick up that whole series uh, where I actually talk about this for weeks and weeks and weeks because there's so much scriptural foundation to this subject that it is almost uh, unreal that we have missed this for so long. And, and the fact that I can say, or KC can say this and it sounds weird, it, it is kind of strange considering just how much the Bible has to actually say about stars. And so anyway, go ahead and continue. Yes. So with this session, Daniel always starts with prayer. So I can see that my very huge star, oh, she was massive, but she was damaged. And she had what seemed to be this dark gray rock-like substance on the surface of her skin. Yes, my star has skin. It was a massive wound. Then I heard the word Uranus. Then I heard uranium. So I looked up uranium and I saw a picture of what uranium would look like. And it looked just like what I saw on my star. This wound, my, the, the, the wound on my star looked just like the picture of uranium. So the wood, the, the wound looked like a dark 
gray rock-like substance that covered the skin of my star in a certain place. And it had what seemed to be a rope-like substance that attached my star, listen to this, attached my star to the Greek god called Uranus. Now you can look this up for yourself and you can see the Greek god all in Google search or wherever you're going to look. It's U-R-A-N-U-S. Uh, it's a primal Greek god uh, personifying the sky. And um, he, his equivalent in Roman mythology is Calius. Uh, that's C-A-E-L-U-S. And in uh, ancient Greek literature, Uranius, or Father Sky, was the son and the husband of Gia, the Mother Earth. Daniel, did you want to say a little bit about this before we move on? No, please continue. Okay. okay. All right. So now Daniel began to pray war prayers and pull the cosmos records that detailed all transgressions and had them to be read in the heavens. Then Daniel covered those transgressions in the blood of Jesus. I like to pause here because I can hear some of you ask, why would Daniel pull Cosmos records? Cosmos records? What is that? And Cosmos records that detail all our transgressions? And where are these Cosmos records? And why is it necessary to pull these Cosmos records to have them read? Etc. Daniel, would you like to say just a brief something about that? Yeah, well, you know, there, okay, there are a lot of books in the spirit world. Uh, there, there, and, and, and as a matter of fact, you'll, you'll find that, I mean, books are still being written even now. There, there are angels that are scribe angels. Their job is to write things down as they are happening. So they have something in the spirit and you will find this in occult literature reference. It's called Akashic Records. And it's basically like a massive library in the spirit that you can go and look up ancient knowledge and just other knowledge that's been documented and held there. Well, everything that the evil kingdom has or the second heavens holds often has a, a, a counterpart. It, it is a superior counterpart in the realm of God's kingdom. And what I found is that, yeah, they have these Akashic records and I don't spend any time dealing with those because I don't care what's over there unless God wants to burn something. Um, I recognize that heaven has many books and those books contain accurate and truthful records of all things that have transacted in the earth and throughout the cosmos and everything relevant to our lives, inclusive of a complete case of injustices that may have led to any type of bondage that a person may be undergoing. And so when I am dealing with matters that are uh, uh, legal, uh, legal matters in, in the heavens, I will often reference the heavenly, I call them heavenly cosmic records, because they contain truth and they contain data that I may not be seeing, the person that I am working with may not be seeing, but I can have those records to be presented in the courts of heaven to be taken account for as I am undoing things, getting things stamped by the blood of Jesus, um, getting evil verdicts overturned, and so forth in the process of getting folks set free. And so, please continue. 
Okay. Okay, so now Daniel be, proceeds in calling the, the um, heavenly armies of angels to surround Uranus with a razor of the Lord that would shame him. I saw the angels hold this long razor-like material, and they used it to shave and slice Uranus to pieces. Daniel prayed that all devices that Uranus used would be cut up, and it would be cut off of my star. So Isaiah 7:20 says, "In that day, when foreign enemies armies swore in the land." The Lord will shave with a razor hired from the regions beyond Euphrates, the head and the hair of the legs, and it will also remove the beard, leaving that person stripped, shamed, or scorned, just in case you wanted to know if the Lord really has a razor. He does. It's razor of the Lord. So I saw Charles cutting off some of the electronic devices. Some of the electronic devices look like electrodes and other electronic devices look like three-prong wire that joined to a rock-like substance. Some had what seemed to be silicone balls on the end of the wires. Then Daniel plundered the realm of Uranus and uprooted him from my star, and he released my soul parts from Uranus as well. So out of those soul parts, I actually saw three of my soul parts being released, and they went to the third heaven along with my goods, all of my goods that Uranus stole had stolen from me, they all went up to heaven to be processed and then to be reintegrated back into my core soul. Then Daniel commanded Uranus to give an account for all of the wickedness that he did to my star. Then Daniel indicted and sentenced Uranus to brutal afflictions perpetually. Now, if you can imagine this, seeing an image of Uranus all cut up, he's a spirit being, but yet he's still alive. And now Daniel is, uh, has sentenced him to receive brutal afflictions perpetually in the cosmos, that is something awesome to, to see and behold. It's just something. So then Daniel spoke redemption to my star after that. She's huge and she's um, she has a very massive, massive size. So Daniel sensed that my star was not completely released and asked Charles, my guardian angel, if my star was free completely from Uranus. And Charles quickly said, nope. Charles said that Uranus had backup systems to maintain a hold on my star and Uranus used his consciousness as an overlay on the backup systems. Now, I know some of you are probably shaking your heads what in the world is she talking about? So Daniel, let's go just a little bit further. Daniel charged his realm and overlaid his realm on the backup systems and he smoked the demonic crown of the backup system with heavenly frequencies. Now, I know you, I'm sure you all have probably fallen off your chairs or doing whatever, but we're gonna pause a little bit and we'll let Daniel explain that part.
<laughs> you know, y'all, I mean, at this point, I can't say y'all don't know what I go through because clearly you do. You're on <laughs> chapter 12. But this is the kind of stuff. You sit there and you're like, yeah, I feel, I feel that, that nowhere going off. Something's not right. And so I'm like, all right, what's wrong? Next thing I know, something's coming out of Casey's mouth. And you know, my first thought is, what the heck? Like this, this should not be so. Um, and, and, and here's the, the terrible part. You know, most people, many Christians, don't even know that they have so much as they have a star. And yet here we are looking at this extraordinarily complicated bondage that is holding down the star. Now, a lot of people don't know that when the star is in bondage, some of the manifestations include uh, uh, that person being held out of the full expression of their capacity to do business, to make money, to have success, to have happiness in marriage and fellowship, relationships, all of but many of these things are hindered and even thwarted when a person's star is in captivity. We would know that because we've never done a study on stars. <laughs> no one's teaching this stuff. So, so here we are, we're looking at this very complex bondage. Now, the, the, the fact of the matter is, this kind of stuff leads to the language and the legalities that one will find in my book, Advanced Prayers to Shake Heaven and Earth, in a prayer I put together called Deliverance of Stars. Because no person should have to go through this level of headache. Like, what are you even talking about, Casey? Come on, just throw me a bone. Give me the easy button. Guys, Casey doesn't have an easy button. So here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I wish at times that I did have an easy button, Daniel, but <laughs> it was not the case here. <laughs> not at all. So, so then Daniel declared that uh, the backup systems be consumed. And immediately I saw the backup systems and Uranus's consciousness dissolve into the cosmos atmosphere it just it it was like a tiny particles and, and they literally dissolved into the atmosphere and daniel renounced and removed the counterfeit programs as well then daniel called in the east wind of judgment to push out all the residue he didn't want anything left i could also feel what seemed to be a pulling away of a physical hold off of my heart as well. Then Daniel called my spirit woman to come forward and he blessed her. Daniel told my spirit woman to go and stand in front of my star. Now, although my spirit woman was large in size and stature, she seemed like a itty bitty tiny little ant compared to my star. My star was massive, just that massive in size. So she immediately took out the flask of oil from her purse. And of course, my star is on, uh, my, my uh, spirit woman is positioned on the top of my star. And she held it up, waiting to pour it on my star. 
Then Daniel told my spirit woman to pour the anointing oil on my star. Then Daniel directed my spirit woman to pour oil all over my star. And she immediately went to the area where the wound was located and she poured the oil on the wound of my star. Then she moved back to the top of my star and she continued to flood my star with the oil. I mean, my star was completely saturated. It was covered with the oil. So I'm looking at all this and now I see my star crying and she's shaking. Yes, my star is crying. Yes, she's, she has emotions and feelings and so does yours. So now she's crying and she's shaking and uh, she was heavily covered, just heavily covered with the oil. And then my spirit woman gave my star some bread of life and my star just seemed to absorb it into her very being. Then I saw the, a substance-like cover that layered my star with white light. And this was this, this white light was actually covering or now covering or healing my wound. So my star was experiencing a dramatic restoration. Then I saw Charles, my guardian angel, he hardly ever leaves his place of abode. And he went to help my spirit to pull off and cut away what seemed to look like a huge scab where the wound was on my star. Then Charles left and he went back to his place of abode. So Daniel told my spirit woman to go into my star and she did so immediately. Then Daniel told my, my uh, spirit woman to release a frequency on the inside of my star. That's right, to release a frequency on the inside of my star. When my spirit woman released the frequency sound, it looked like a sonic boom circle, just many, many sonic boom circles that just resonated all on the inside of my star. And my star was starting to be realigned to the frequency of heaven. One sonic boom circle after another came from my spirit woman and I could see my star shift in the cosmos to be realigned to the frequency of heaven. That is all true. Daniel commanded my spirit woman to go to the control room in my star, and she immediately pulled off what seemed to be a black veil from the front of the control room. Then she started rearranging the circuitry back to where they were supposed to be from the very beginning. She, my spirit woman was so angry at the destruction that Uranus did in causing chaos with mixing up the circuitry in the control room. He did this so that he could control my destiny. Of course, our stars, everyone, has our destiny in it. Daniel, would you like to explain a little bit about well, this comes from a couple of places in the Bible, and they're actually linked. And in the book of Genesis, you find 
that Joseph has a dream. And in the dream, he sees 11 stars and the sun and the moon, and they bow down to him. And this dream, of course, was fulfilled when he literally saved the lives of his brothers and his father and um, his father's wife. And that was after Pharaoh had appointed him number two in Egypt as he interpreted dreams and was able to plan for the, the famine. Well, many of us are very familiar with this story, but what we don't necessarily realize is just how significant this dream is because in the dream, Joseph is the 12th star. And Joseph's destiny is being revealed by the dream and that it is encoded in the dream. He is in his destiny, the plan of God for him. Uh, his destiny was to be a liberator of Israel and also to be bowed down to by his brothers, the other patriarchs of, of Israel, you know, the, the fathers of the 12 tribes. And, and so that was encoded there. And we see that clearly happening in that dream. Now we see that same pattern uh, being re-engaged in Revelation chapter 12, where we see another alignment of stars and you see a woman, you know, referenced in Revelation chapter 12, who gives birth to a man child. And, and in that setting, in the very beginning of Revelation chapter 12, it is actually the constellation Virgo. This is an astrological alignment. And the man-child being born, well, you know, there, there are a few interpretations I think are accurate, even, you know, though they may differ um, on this piece of literature in the Bible. But one of the clear, clear meanings of this is that Jesus was born of a virgin. And that particular astrological alignment occurred in conjunction with the timing of Jesus's birth, meaning that Jesus was always destined to be born of a virgin and rule the nations of the earth with a rod of iron as a man-child. And, and, and he is the first and original manifestation of that astrological alignment referenced in Revelation 12. What this means is that stars encode destiny. And uh, what, what, what Satan has done, because we all have started, and, and, and you know, people often will look up at the sky and say, okay, so which one's mine? I've found that many of the stars that we are engaging with primarily exist in the second heaven. And this gets into some of the stranger language that Casey is employing, like control rooms. And I have found that every star I've helped a person's human spirit to connect with has a control room. So what is that there for? Well, so you can drive it along its course because all stars have an appointed and ordained course they are to travel. And if the enemy can pull those stars off of that intended course, he can derail the purpose and destiny of a person's life. So they try to derail stars from their course. How did they do that? Well, they hijack the control room, drive it in the wrong direction. And so your whole life ends up derailed, but it's done so by witchcraft. And that's why in African witchcraft, they literally target people's stars. And the witch doctors have 
very well-established protocols around doing this nonsense. And so, you know, uh, often in the American church, we don't hear about this stuff, but over there, they talk about it openly. Right? Well, they, they captured my star or they did witchcraft on my star. And, you know, it, it's a real thing. Anyway, there you go. Casey, please continue. Yes, yes. So I saw my spirit woman and uh, she began to scrape out with her hands and arms this dark green goo from the control room. Then she climbed into the control room and she continued to rewire the circuitry and to wipe out the dark green goo. She had a frown on her face and her face as she was accomplishing the task. Of course, she couldn't stand it, it was gross. Then my spirit woman climbed out of the control room and stood in front of the control room. My spirit woman saw what seemed to be a fire extinguisher and she used it to blow out a white, fine looking smoke to cover the control room entrance. So no other intruder, no other intruder could ever enter through that smoke. So my star started to thank my spirit woman and Charles, it, well, actually, she thanked both. She's, she thanked my spirit woman and she thanked Charles. Yes, she's talking to the both of them. But my spirit woman was taken about as if she did all the work without Charles' help. And it was just so funny. Sometimes they're just so funny when they react, when they're interacting with each other. It was funny. And so, uh, so now Daniel then told my spirit woman, to take the elements of my star and to breathe them into the cosmos. And so she swept the elements of my star into her hands, her arms, and she threw them near to, she actually drew them near to her bosom. She was carefully guarding them. And then she just flung them. She just flung them into the cosmos. And I could see and hear Charles yelling at my spirit woman. And he said, he was telling my spirit woman, breathe the elements, breathe the elements into the cosmos, breathe the elements. Because that was the instruction that Daniel gave my star. And Charles, he takes Daniel seriously. Daniel says, breathe the elements. That means breathe the elements. That does not mean fling the elements. It means breathe the elements. So she just ignored Charles. She just ignored him and kept flinging the elements into the cosmos and took great delight in doing it on top of that. So I told Daniel what was happening. And Daniel said that my spirit woman's actions were her interpretation of breathing the elements into the cosmos. So I began to calm down at that point. So then Daniel gave the interpretation of what my spirit woman was doing at that moment. And of course, my spirit woman was expanding the kingdom of heaven into the cosmos with the elements of my star. Can you imagine that? Daniel, would you like to say anything about that? 
So when I uh, was introduced to my star for the first time, I was very in touch with my spirit and all of that work was happening with my spirit. And there were a few keys that I received during that initial encounter. And once my spirit was inside of my star, one of the first things that he wanted to do was take the particles of the star and it's almost like just take them in his hand and then just blow on them. And then it, it would just fly out all over. Uh, and, and that was like, like expanding the influence of the, the kingdom of God. And um, it was expanding the influence of the light. And so it's almost like, you know, um, take, taking one of those weeds and, you know, out of the ground that they have all the little floaters on them and you just blow on it and, and then it sends the seeds out all over the lawn. And next thing you know, I forget what those things are called. We used to blow on them all the time as kids. Anyway, um, but it's like just sending out seeds of light. And, and so it, it was something that, I mean, I, I felt really, really positive about. And so I suggested to KC to do the same thing because it seemed to be a key and it was relevant for me. And it turned out the spirit had a great time. So there you go. <laughs> yes, Daniel. I think you're referring to dandy weeds. We would just take them. Yes. Them. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So now Daniel asked my spirit woman if she knew how to drive my star. And of course she said no. Then Daniel gave her the manual and she read it through with what seemed to be at a speed of light. So I could see Charles yelling at my spirit woman, let me read it. Let me read it. But she just, she was just so focused on reading the manual. She just continued to do so. It was very funny to see and also to hear. So then the coaching session ends and Daniel began to explain to me that I would see some significant shifts to take place within me. And that was so true. It started immediately, as a matter of fact. So this indeed was a very, very, very good session along with the others, but it was like it was the great finale and that is it, Daniel. And I do thank you once again for inviting me to tell my story to completion. It has been really, really fun. Thank you, Casey. Thank you for um, all the work that you put into putting all these notes together and um, keeping track of all the work that happened. And with that said, folks, you've heard it. This is the final chapter. So. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed.
You've been listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. This podcast is a production of Bride Ministries International. Visit our website at brideministriesinternational.com to enjoy the Bride Ministries Church, the Bride Ministries Institute, free resources, and to support us financially.